Today's scripture reading is in uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Okay. This is the word of God. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has, will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into our outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That last portion is kind of scary, isn't it? As a boy, every time I would read those passages in the Bible where Jesus... I mean, Jesus does say frightening things. Talks about casting somebody out into the uh, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's those are scary portions. Um, so it's a sobering word that we're going to talk about today. But we're going to talk about something very important. We're in part nine of our series on stewardship, and today in particular, we're going to talk about gifts and talents. Now, this is strange. This text is actually talking about money, and we've already talked about money in in our series. And, but really, the many pastors and theologians throughout the years have realized Jesus isn't really talking about money here. He's talking about something far more important. He's talking about our gifts 
which we today call talent. We actually get the word talent as something that we're good at that was bestowed upon us by God from this passage. And, and we're going to do this today in three parts, as I usually do. Part one, um, fruitful for the Lord. What should gifts and talents be for? It's not for worldly gain. It is not for worldly acclaim and worldly standards. It is fruitful for the Lord's agenda, what he is after, because he's the master. <laughs> we, we're here to produce what he wants. That's what your gifts are for, right? Part two, it is by grace for grace, not merely by duty, not merely by performance. It is by grace for grace. And then part three, there is eternal reward in the glory of Christ. Eternal reward in and through the glory of Christ. Um, part two, I mean part one, let's talk about uh, fruitful for the Lord. Just to understand this passage, um, you know, this is a famous passage. Maybe many of you have heard this, whether you grew up in the church, and if you grew up in the church, almost certainly you've heard this parable before. If you did not grow up in the church, you, you, even still you may know of this story. Um, but if you just want to understand this, we have just understand it as a standalone story to begin with. And so let me just try to break it down for you and, and then try to put it this way. What, there's a guy, he's a rich guy. He, it's his money. <laughs> a talent is a measure of money. And, if, and I've, made, I've referenced this before, and if you've ever heard me talk about this, it is, you know, there's different uh, scholars try to give uh, a reference as to what a talent is worth, but I'll give you one of the most common ones. One talent is a, worth about one year's worth of wages. So just from that alone, this guy gave five times one year's worth of wages to one, two, and then one. So the guy who got one, is that a small amount of money? <laughs> Is that a small amount of money? Let me just ask you. I don't know how much you make, but whatever you make in a year, wouldn't it be nice if somebody came up to you and handed you that chunk of money all at once? Would you like that? <laughs> I would like that. I mean, I'm a pastor. I don't make lots of money, but if somebody were to hand me that amount of money all at once and said, all right, here you go, that, that'd, be pretty coo- that'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? That's what's happening. Um, so, you know, just to put this in, in, in uh, kind of like 24, and you guys know I do this. I, I try to translate this because this is a, not a story about something that's just happened in ancient Israel. This is about now. I mean, Matthew chapter 25, there's three portions out of chap- Matthew tw- um, chapter 25. All of them are about judgment. All about what it's going to be about when Jesus returns and then we have to give account to him. And so this is absolutely about stewardship. You're handling something that belongs to him. When he returns, he's going to say, what did you do with it? And we're talking about talents here, and he uses, he uses the idea of money. So in 21st century kind of Silicon Valley terminology, and I've referenced this to you before, about um, in, in the, media, the median household annual income of, of someone who, of a household who lives here in our county in Silicon Valley is roughly $90,000. So to one guy, so to put it in our terminology, one guy was handed $450,000. Another was handed $180,000. And another guy was given 90. Now, the guy was given 90. Most of you are thinking five and two and one. And a lot of you, I, I know that some of you, when you read this passage, you're thinking like, okay, I know people who have five. <laughs> and I know people who have two. I'm the one. I'm the one talent person. This message is for you. <laughs> 
This message is really for you. If you're a person who tends to think that what you've been given by the Lord for life isn't really much, well, you're wrong. <laughs> you have been given, there's nobody who gets less. There's no, there's a five-talent guy and a two-talent guy, and then there's the guy who got nothing, or who got like a half, or who got a quarter. There's the least person got one. And one is a lot. You guys get that? <laughs> I just wanted to just, uh, just break this down. One is a lot. The other thing that happens in this passage is, so Jesus comes back, a guy has, he's been given the 450, and he turns it into almost a million dollars. Boom. All right? He doubles it. That's pretty good. All right? Next guy, 180 grand, 360 grand. Master's really happy. All right? And the last guy comes along and goes, okay, what about you? Okay, what did you do with my 90 grand? And I want you to just think about this just kind of from, like, let's, let's use a modern analogy. If you own the money and you go give what is yours, something that's valuable to you, and then you go hand it up to, so to we actually do this in modern day. We have, we have these people called investment, you know, investment folks, and they literally do exactly what Jesus is talking about. And, I mean, it's not kind of like what Jesus, it is exactly what this parable is talking about. So if you had $90,000, you go, some, you go to somebody. He is the person who works for you. It's your money, right? It is his job to multiply that money and give it back. And so let's say you hand somebody $90,000. You leave for 40 years. And you come back and said, hey, you, you work for me. Well, what would you do with my $90,000? Now, let me ask you something. You hire somebody to be your investment guy. You hand him $90,000, 40 Years later, do you want $90,000? Is that what you would like? If you were handed $90,000 that you handed to him at the beginning, and he gives that back to you four years later, you would be mad. That guy would have totally failed. And so then, what does the master say? The master says, hey, look, you idiot. You could have just stuck it in the bank. And then... The years later, at least I would have gotten the interest. At the very least, you could have done that. And then that would have been, that would have been, that would have been good. But you didn't even do that. You stuck this thing in the ground, and that's what you would do too. If you're, if, this is the equivalent of if you had an investment person, if he literally took your money, I mean, nowadays, I don't, you know, we don't take $90,000, but literally, if he, if he took something that was worth $90,000 and stuck it in the ground and came back and gave it back to you, you'd fire that guy. <laughs> and you should fire him. In fact, you, you could probably even complain to, you know, whatever all the, the, the um, you know, his job agency and so forth that allows him to continue to do his work, and you can get him, get him stripped of his, uh, his professional credentials. That could literally happen. Huh? And that is partly what's going on here in this passage. Now, just a few, few takeaways, all right? Number one, is Jesus talking about money? <laughs> he's not talking about money. When Jesus comes back, do you think he's going to care how much money you... I don't think that's really what he cares about. To, to the Bible, money is almost nothing, really. <laughs> There's like, it's really not valued in the Bible. You know, anywhere from the whole book, the money is not really valued. So when the master, and the master is God, <laughs> the master is Jesus, 
He's, thinking, it's not, he's talking about money. And this is why the pastors in the, of old, all throughout Christian history, whenever they read this passage, and hear this, they know that we're not talking about money here. We're talking about something more valuable. God gives, and that's why this word, it's weird, this word talent, which started off as amount of money, has now morphed into this understanding it's about some gift of ability. And that's the way we use it. Even in English today, we take the word talent as some special something that's gift that God has given you that you can use, that you can use for Him, right? Now, so one, one takeaway is whatever your talent is, even if it's one and you think it's little, because what you tend to do is you tend to do this thing that, that the world does. You compare what you have to what other people have. Oh, that guy has more. That guy has two. That guy has three. That guy has five. That guy has ten. Right? And if you think that your talent is small, today's message is for you. Whatever your talent is, it's not small. It's big. Right? It is very valuable, and God wants you to uh, really respect that. Number one, right? Second thing, right? You are to use it. <laughs> You're supposed to use it. You can't bury it. You can't put it away. You don't respect what God has given to you, which is special to you, and so you don't, you put it away. That's wrong. I mean, just other passages. Um, 1 Peter chapter 4, this is the way it puts it. As each has received a gift, use it. Use it to serve one another. So that's what you're supposed to do. You use it, and you use it to serve as good stewards of God's varied grace. And there's that word, steward. Whoever speaks, that could, that could be your gift, then do so as one who speaks the oracles of God. That's pretty interesting. It didn't say if you're a preacher, then go out and preach the words of God. If you have a gift of speaking, you should use it in such a way that those who would speak of God's word would do it to serve other people. You understand that? Some of you guys have a gift of speaking. You should use it to bless even if you're not a preacher. That's really interesting. Um, whoever serves, that could be a gift. And in our time and day, we always think about something that's strong or something that makes money or that you're smart or you're really pretty or you're really tall. These are the gifts and talents that we tend to think about. You can sing really well. But here it says, whoever serves, that could be your gift. And if you serve, you should serve by the strength that God supplies. This is the way it talks. Um, Romans chapter 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Use them. <laughs> Your gifts are different. Please don't denigrate, don't insult your own gift. If you insult your gift, you're actually insulting God. If you think your gift is small, or just because you have some worldly standard, you, you're, you don't understand what this is about. Um, a third point. You, well, number one, don't disrespect your gift. Number two, use your gift. Number three, it is don't use the world's standards. What does God want out of it? And let me tell you the fundamental thing that God wants, his product, so to speak, that he, he really wants, it's really blessing and holiness. That's really what he wants. Use your gift to contribute to holiness. It's from holiness. <laughs> Think about this, okay? Most of us, if you have some special ability, we go get a good job, and the thing that we want out of it is money. <laughs> or sometimes what we want out of it is our name. 
or something that's wrong, it's, it's respect. These are all worldly standards of what we want out of it. But actually, if you have a special gift, you should contribute to somebody so that it serves them. It blesses them. And what it should draw out of you and out of them is holiness. And you're like, okay, what's holiness? Okay. Let me give you a simple definition of holiness. It's everything good and beautiful, pure minus sin. That's really what it's about. That's holiness. Do you know that in this day and age, in this day and age, um, the world hungers for holiness. Except today we call it authenticity. <laughs> I want people to be real. But you know what we, what we mean is we want real goodness. Um, if you walk into a, a car dealership, a person will show you kindness. <laughs> a person will show you generosity. Hey, you want something to drink? Your hair looks really great. <laughs> you know, ladies, I mean, if you want a compliment, walk into a used car dealership. Right? You will get complimented. But is it with or is it pure? Is it intended for righteousness and beauty and blessing? No, there's an agenda. There's something. The, the, the kindness and generosity and the compliments are all intended to get you to part with your money. But actually what God wants is we contribute so that human beings will become whole and they become beautiful with, with, uh, with qualities like this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness. These are the things that God wants. That's the fruit that God is interested in. This is the product, so to speak. This is the riches that God is interested in when God gives us gifts. And, and just imagine if everybody took their special talent so that the real goal is that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, with no BS, with no self-centered, prideful, greedy agenda, that's what we were seeking to draw out of other people and to pour into other people. If, that's, if everybody did that, you know what would, be, what, what, what the world would be like? It would be heaven. <laughs> that's what the world would be like. And that's what our gifts are for. Now, look, I want to say something about this, this thing about using your gifts. This portion where the master, he berates this, this third servant and says, you should have at least stuck it in the bank. <laughs> When I read that, I, I, I see that as essentially just, you should just at least use the money. <laughs> it, it's not even doing it in the smart way. It's not about, okay, study investing. Know the inflation rate. <laughs> know how to do economics. Know, which, uh, know what's the proper trend and, and then what's going to hit it big. It's not even that. It's just stick it in the bank. Just use it. That's the smallest it's the lowest means of how to take the talent. He's saying just use it. But just think about this, okay? If you have a particular gift, okay? So some of you, maybe, maybe, you, um, maybe you have some musical ability. Okay, so any of you have any musical ability? Maybe you, when you were a child and you were young, you could really sing. And by the way, if your mommy says you can sing, that doesn't necessarily mean you can sing, okay? <laughs> okay. You, you need real friends to tell you a gift. I'm going to give you just a few tips on what is a real talent. Right? One is, um, is you're good at it, and other people affirm that you're good at it. Not your mom. Okay? Not your mom. Somebody who actually knows something about music, okay? Um, and when you do it, you bless other people, and maybe you even like doing it. 
That's your gift. That's your talent. And you should use it. If you, everybody has at least one. There's no none. And you should use it. But let's just say when you were young, somebody told you you could sing, and then you decided, oh, I can't really sing. And, and then you decided to clam up, and you buried that gift in the ground, and you decided not to sing for 10 years. And all of a sudden, you know, you're 25 years old, and somebody goes, hey, you could be a star. <laughs> I remember when you, were, when you were 15 or 12 or you could really sing. You should go on American Idol and, and, you, should do, and you should go do that because you could be a star. Would you go do it? No, you wouldn't. Why? Because you haven't sung in 10 years. You took your gift and you buried it. And by not using it, guess what? It starts to atrophy. It's a use it or lose it thing. It very much is. This is such an incredible thing. Um, such an important thing to understand. There's a, there's a, a he's not as famous now. Um, one, of, one of the most uh, remarkable ways that I, I think about this is I'm a baseball fan, um, and we just had the World Series, and, and, and the wrong team won, okay? <laughs> the good guys of the Bay Area didn't get there, but the, the, the wrong team won. But that's okay. I'll, I'll be happy for you, even if, if you root for that team, okay? Just because I, I, I love my enemies, okay? <laughs> but, um, uh, but uh, as a baseball fan, um, there, there, there's a player named Billy Wagner, and he was an incredible closer. A closer is the guy who comes in at the end of the game, and usually you want him to throw really hard. Okay? And if you, just let me give you a little description of Billy Wagner. Billy Wagner is about five foot nine, and usually if you want a prototypical power pitcher, he's like a big dude, he's like a six foot three guy, he bores down on you. But Billy Wagner had some super duper left arm. And he could throw 100 miles an hour. <laughs> so this little guy would get up there, five foot nine. I mean, that's my height. <laughs> and he could launch this sucker <laughs> 100 miles an hour. And let me tell you something about Billy Wagner. He did not, um, his, his parents got divorced when he was young, and he grew up really poor. And so after his parents got divorced, um, his, his mom moved, I think it's from like Louisiana or Arkansas, I forget. And, and he moved to some relative's house, and they lived on a big plot of land. And they lived out in a rural area, no little league, there were no coaches. And, but he liked baseball. And you know, this is all he had. He had one baseball. He didn't have a bucket. He didn't even have a proper glove. He didn't have a team. He didn't have a coach. He had one baseball. And so this is what he did. He could throw the ball, and he was good at it. You know what he would do? He would go out in the yard every day. He would take this baseball, and he would chuck it <laughs> as far as he could go. He would just chuck it with his left arm. And then he didn't have any friends, because they lived out in the middle of the north. You know what he would do? So then he would, <laughs> he would run all the way over to the far side of the field. And then he would take that ball, and then he would just chuck it again the, the other way. And then he, did, he would just do this. That was his gift. No team, no coach. Actually, Billy, Billy Wagner had wrong mechanics. So he didn't even have the right form, didn't have the right motion. He just, he, in fact, the way he threw was wrong. That was his gift. He just used it. And do you know that if you just use your gift like that, somewhere along the line, and of course, this is, you know, this is obviously like a, a kind of a, a great Cinderella story, but some guy could come along from the major league one day and just say, hey, kid, <laughs> 
your form and everything is completely wrong, but um, you want to sign, sign this piece of paper, and we'll give you money, and you can come work for us. And that's how Billy Wagner uh, made it to the major leagues and ended up making millions of dollars. That's a, that's a particularly pretty good story, isn't it? Look, there is a scout, and is not from the Houston Astros. His name is Jesus. And he wants you to use your gift. And you could be a poor kid. And you think, nobody cares. Nobody even, I mean, nobody even watched him do this thing. I mean, think about it. He stoned this ball by himself. It's wild. And yet, um, this person who's a far more important scout than someone from the Houston Astros might see something in that and use it very remarkably. Okay? I want you to just think about that. Now let me go to part two of my message here, by grace for grace. Um, I want you to go, today's message is especially for those of you who feel like you see yourself in that third guy, okay? It's especially for you. And um, if, I want you to see what he says, and, I've, and I've, I've thought about this passage a long time, I've discussed it with multiple people, and for the longest time when I grew up, um, he said, this is what he says. I, I thought this was a description of God. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And that's why I, I, I dug and I buried this thing into the ground. That's why I did. And, I, and you know, as, as a kid, I, I would read this passage, and I knew that we were supposed to be the, the steward who received the talent, and God, or in this case, cheat. Jesus, Jesus is the master, and, and I used to think, man, it's going to be really scary, you know, like, I better really produce, I better, you know, really help the church grow, I better, you know, like, get other people get saved, I mean, I, I really better produce, right, with whatever God gave me, because, because um, he's a hard man, but if you read this passage, let me just ask you, it's Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is the master, <laughs> And is this a good description of Jesus? That you are a hard man, you reap where you don't sow, you just, you know, you, you don't, and uh, is, this, is this a good description of Jesus? It is a horrible description of Jesus. In fact, it's not a description of Jesus. When you live your life and you take your talents and your gifts, I want to ask you this question. Who is your master? Who sets the standards. Who, who, who is the one you're going to answer to? It's not even you, by the way. Huh? Is it Jesus? And when you look at Jesus, do you see him right? Is he looking at you going, hey, I'm a hard man. I'm going to really ream you for this. But isn't he the one who will just say, hey, at least just put it in the bank and use it? Um, you know, um, uh, a little while ago, a couple years ago, I, was, I told my children, you know, they save some money. I go, you shouldn't stick it in the piggy bank. I was thinking, like, if they shove it in the piggy bank, that's, by the way, that's not unlike sticking it in the ground. <laughs> I said, that's dumb. I said, you should at least put it in the bank, and you should earn some interest. So I, I, I told this to them. And so then they said, okay, that sounds good, Dad. Let, let's do that, you know. And so I, um, I went and looked at the, the savings interest that's given from my bank. I go to Chase Bank. And I think it was something like 0.2%. And that was so 
bad. It, it offended me. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Like, that's like, rip. it's like, I might as well stick it in the ground, literally, okay? <laughs> it's like stupid chase, okay? So, um, all right. So, so I said, okay, well, forget that. So then I started, I did a Google search. And I found, the, the bank that I found that gave the most money for the savings account, and you know, so you know, savings account, it's safe, it's supposed to be safe, and so it's got, you know, you're not going to give you a lot of money, was Ally Bank. And Ally Bank, so I'm, this is not a plug for Ally Bank, but it just was the least bad <laughs> bank, okay, in terms of this product, gave 0.95% for the savings. So that's, that's like four times the amount of Chase. I was like, wow, okay, all right. So, but they don't have any, like, you know, physical... They don't have any physical building. It's an online bank. So I told my kids about this, and my daughter, Laura, said, so I said, here's what happens. If you put $100 in the bank, right, after a year, they'll give you 95 cents. Okay, that's the way it works. <laughs> and so she, she looked at me, and she said, really? She, her eyes got all big, and she said, really, for free? I said, yes. You put it in the bank, you get 95 cents. And she, she got excited. She actually got excited. I go, but I go, here's the good part. Next year, you'll have $100.95, right? Then what happens is you don't get 95 cents the next year. You get more than 95 cents because you get 0.95% of 101. And so that, she thought that was even cooler. <laughs> now, we're obviously talking about puny amounts of money, but do you guys understand um, that principle that was actually a tremendously important principle I just taught her. She got excited about the idea of compound interest. <laughs> and do you guys know that if you stick, okay, so let's, let's, you know, let's put something a little bit more, like not some garbage amount of interest, let's, let's just, but let's put like 5% interest. Do you know that if you put $90,000 into a bank and if they gave you 5% interest and they gave it to you every year, I mean 5% doesn't seem like a lot, but 5% of $90,000 is $4,500. The next year you'd have $94,000 and then you get 5% of that, which means you get more than $4,500. You guys get the, you get the idea, right? If you do that for 40 years, I didn't do the math, you would have a heck of a lot of money. You understand? So this thing that Jesus is saying, which is the lowest thing to do, it's the lowest thing to do, He's not demanding some huge thing out of you. He's just saying, take what I gave you because it's so valuable and do the smallest thing. <laughs> use it. That's what interest is. It's just use it. You know that if you have, okay, if you have the gift of mercy, and that's, the, the, that's, a, that's, a gift, that's one of the gifts, which will, most of us don't think is a gift. It's, uh, it's throwing a baseball hard, it's making a lot of money, it's being super smart, okay, whatever. Or it's like being able to do super duper calculus math and then being able to like make buildings. That's the only kind of gifts that we care about. But mercy. Let's say you have mercy on someone who's hurting and weak and you want to contribute. You don't even know what to do, you're not even good at this thing, but that's your gift. <laughs> I'm good at, or I have this particular desire and I'm good at having compassion and mercy and contributing it to people who are hurting and who are poor. If you use that, let's say you do it today, and then you realize, wow, that wasn't very good, but it, it did something. And then next year, you're like, I learned something. And then you do it again. And you have to, you're, you know what? If you, if you go to hurting people, and you do it this way and not this way, you tweak it, and it goes up. See, it compounds. That little bit of, that little bit of extra wealth 
it compounds. And then you do it again. And you do it again. If you do this for 5, 10, 15, or 20 years, you'll do, you'll, it'll be tremendous what you could do for people and what will pour out. We're not talking about even having great learning or coaching. Just use it. It's like the interest in the bank. Um, this week I've been thinking about gift. And um, I want to share with you something about when the pastors talk about ministry and how to multiply the grace of the gospel. Um, I want to tell you something about pastors. Pastors are just like any man. We're insecure people. <laughs> we're performance-driven. And, and uh, we care too much about the, the, the judgments of the world and of people. And so, okay, well, you know, we want to do something to help people really like connect with Jesus. And in this case, it's for kids. And, and this will be help, uh, help, help moms and dads connect with their kids and help Jesus be in their hearts more. Okay, so we were thinking about how can we do this? And for years, our church has done this kind of like Halloween-type alternative event. Some years it's been good. Some years it has not been good. Um, but we try to do these things. But honestly, we, we ask, you to, ask you to use your gifts. Come forward. Please you know, contribute to something that will help people that be touched in some small way by the gospel. And we're nervous that if we do this thing and ask you to do it, and then we, we, we're not necessarily always the best mobilizers, and we don't always know how to accept this vision the best, and we ask people to do it, and then if, if, if afterwards, if we do this event, and then, like, nobody comes, or very few people come, or they go, oh, you know, like, that wasn't, you know, the artwork on that wasn't very good, or that game was really lame, or that singing was really weak, and people, you know, they, they dump on it, and then... You know, we're afraid of that judgment. And then they'll go, oh, that's our failure. We're afraid of failure. Just like all of us. But, um, you know, we've been trying this. uh, It it wasn't even called gift until, like, last year when J.W. said, you know what, let's not. He he wanted to call it a name because he wanted to say what its goal is. is it's it's, it's, It's the gospel for the family. Not just cute kids running around in... um, in costumes and giving them candy. He said, Very, that's not the goal. The goal is not cute kids running around in costumes. It's to bless the whole family with the gospel. And, rally, and, and he was thinking that in Asian, in Asian families, parents are not, are not good at this. A lot of Asian families think, okay, if I give you the education and if I give you skills and if I make you money and if I give you a good house, okay, that's okay. I was a good mom and dad. But they don't actually say, how about if I play with you? How about if I walk with you? How about if I worship with you at your level and exalt Jesus together? And J.W. knew that Asian parents are bad at this. So he wanted to have an event and ask people to contribute to this thing. And we did it last year, and it was fairly good, and some of it wasn't. And you know what? But we, we look at this and go, like, okay, that event part wasn't as good. And that, I was blown away. I was blown away. Some of the games weren't as good. I mean, my, my son, he manned the station. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to do this, okay? Where you drop a penny into a, 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 a tank, and, and if it goes into a little cup, then you get a prize, okay? So it's not a hard thing to do, but he did it with joy. I was, I was surprised how, how much enthusiasm he did it with. And, and my little one, she loved it, right? And... This room that we worship in, for those of you guys who weren't here, it was amazing, right? 
uh, it to creativity, artwork. A lot of gifts and talents came into turning this into like some kind of a beautiful obstacle course. And moms and daughters and fathers and sons had to do this obstacle course together to get a prize. And it was incredible, right? And then when we plunked the gospel into it, it was beautiful. <laughs> and I dare say to you, that's, that's stewardship. And so, you know, we were these pastors that feel... Um, we were humbled, and we typically, you know, we were getting to this place over these last few years, and we realized, you know, we need to stop being fearful pastors. We need to just ask people, use their gifts, feed you the gospel, the glory of Jesus, ask you to use your gifts, and please don't judge it according to the stands of the world, because the world may not think this is the greatest thing, but Jesus will look at the holiness part. His holiness and grace and blessing pouring forth out of it, which points to him, that he'll go, that's, that's my money there. <laughs> Let me just close this message this way. Um, I know many of you don't think that you're, what, you, what you offer is not much. What we do for Jesus with our gifts this passage closes with reward. There is a reward that is yours. It's coming to you. It can never be taken away from you. It is an eternal reward. It's far better than money. It's far better than status. It's far better than some kind of worldly gain and acclaim. And Jesus came for this. God gave us his greatest gift. And when Jesus came, he didn't give us money. He gave us his heart and he laid down his life by grace for grace. I often think um, some, you know, I, I, I was preaching this especially the first service. And in the first service, they get up really early and they come. There are some who come to teach, they, they come to teach four-year-olds. Uh, that is not a very highly esteemed piece of gifting in this world. I mean, a four-year-old. <laughs> Do you know that on any given Sunday, there are little ones coming into our church who are coming from um, divorce, whose uh, father never hugs them? God, uh, God is, is a scary person in the sky or a fairy tale. And they're bereft of, of, uh, of hope and grace and mercy. And that gift poured out into that child, you just don't know where that's going to happen. You don't know where it's going to go. And this is not a theory. <laughs> Kids regularly are transformed by that. <laughs> that kid, when they grow up, let's just say, okay, it doesn't become the next Billy Graham or whatever, but is saved. <laughs> and marries a godly person. But, and then they have a son. They have a son who who uh, builds a great company and provides food and talents and just blesses a whole city. But if that person had grown up without Jesus, may have, have turned out broken and depressed and hurt, all because of their four-year-old teacher. And then that person may have a grandchild, may have a grandchild who will 
maybe be the person that plants a hospital in the middle of, of, of a really poor place. And that hospital then, then nurses people who have Ebola. And that person who plants at that hospital will have nurses who die of Ebola, but many will be saved in West Africa. And this person who taught the four-year-old class will go to heaven and it'll be far more than five talents, I assure you. It's not, we're not talking about five talents. You know what your riches is? That son, that grandson, and generations upon generations of people who are saved, even though people died in, from Ebola in West Africa, will come up and say, I'm your talent. I'm your riches. I'm your reward. Thank you for using your gift from Jesus for Jesus. This is, this, is, this is the drama of our life. And if you can see that this reward is so worthy of your life, then it'll just change everything about the way you look at your gifts and your standards and your, your, your gains. Is this reward, I hope this reward, this is the promise that's left open to you because Jesus has given you this gift. He gave it to you by grace. He will help you <laughs> to sow it by grace, and he's going to use it to give you a a reap, a reward that you can't even imagine. And this is not a theory. This is the way it works. And if you believe this, not only will will you be rich in heaven, but we will be richer here and now, compounding and compounding and compounding as we use our gifts to serve each other, for holiness, and for the glory of Jesus' name. Let's pray. We pray for a generation of people, Lord. I want to pray particularly for people today who hear this message. And um, regularly they say, I can't do much for Jesus. Gosh, my faith is so lame, and, and I'm such a bad Christian. How can I do anything? I don't, I'm not good at anything. <laughs> I pray, Lord, that today they would be rebuked, but they would also be powerfully encouraged. Not by the fool babbling up front, but by you. And Lord, I pray that you take a, a whole generation and not the standards of the world, not perfect performance according to the world, but very imperfect performance and, and uh, strange-looking props that we use for gift, and yet you would pour forth holiness and grace out of our gifts, Lord, and multiply them and compound them in us and for each other. And we would see that the world is being made rich far more than money by gifts and talents from grace for grace, as we obey you, even in the smallest way. Lord, take, us, take away our fear of failure on the standards of the world. And as we look at this passage, may we begin to understand, you're saying, the only way you can dis- we can displease you is if we disbelieve you.
And if we dig our talents and put it to nothing, but may we even do the smallest thing and use them and trust, Lord, that you will reap far more than we can ever imagine for our good and for our riches and for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name.